0: Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas, and at least one good story. Episode 67, La Recoleta, Sicily. Where Daniel called in sick. Before we start, super exciting news. We're going to have our very first live show on October 1st at 4 p.m. in the Hull House Dining Hall in downtown Chicago. This is on the UIC campus just off the blue line on the L. Very easy to get to. We'll have international snacks, talk of refugees. I'll be interviewing a very special person, Kathy Larson, who is Associate Director of the English Language Academy at DePaul University, just down the street. And if you've been listening, you know a little bit about what Jane Addams and a whole house have meant to me. I've been slowly retracing her steps around Europe, trying to discover what led to her brilliant epiphany. So, it's an incredible honor to be able to record an episode in her house. Spread the word. That's in two weeks, October 1st, 4 p.m., Whole House Dining Hall. I met Daniel in Buenos Aires. Actually, he was my Airbnb host in the neighborhood of La Recoleta. And on my last day there, he tried to take me into the cafe where Jorge Luis Borges used to read stories to his mother. It was closed, so we ended up at one down the street on the main avenue the widest in the world actually nine lanes in each direction called the Ninth of july avenue and within sight of the city's beloved obelisk daniel grew up in mendoza argentina moved to houston in his 20s and built up a life and a family working at a really good job for at and i think he said he was making over a hundred thousand dollars a year a detail you don't usually discover about someone's life, uh, especially a stranger, but one that is crucial to his story, as you'll hear. Eventually, he went to Sicily to find his Italian roots, and, well, the circumstances of his staying there are utterly gripping. But this episode is one where you have to stick with it to really appreciate how the story unfolds, Please be patient with the sound. I was recording on my iPad this time and the cafe was playing music. Eventually, we went back to his place to finish so the sound does get better. Don't give up. The story is worth hearing. Of course, I started with my usual opening question. Can you describe what you look like?
1: Basically, I'm a medium, uh, I'm 50 years old. Uh, I got uh, gray hair. Uh, I guess, according to the ladies, I still look good, so (laughs) I'm I'm in good shape. Uh, I don't do too much sport, I used to do uh, rock climbing years ago, that's why I still keep kind of good shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, basically, I'm just a regular regular guy, Uh, I'm more like uh, in between... uh, basically, my race is kind of mixed with between Spanish and, and Italian. Mm. Some kind of light color skin, mm-hmm. uh, light brown eyes. Uh, and basically, that's, that's it. Not much. <laughs>
2: and can you describe where we are right now and where we tried to go?
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Basically, the, uh, my, my idea this morning was uh, going to this cafe. Um, it's, it's called the Regency of the Reeds. Uh, cafe, and it's uh, <coughs> very uh, well known because uh, Jorge Luis Borges, the writer, uh, used to go there with uh, when he was young. Basically, when uh, he was between uh, 16, 18 years old to almost he like, was 40 years old. Uh, basically, all his uh, he was writing and reading uh, the novels to, to the mother at this, this particular bar. Mm. So that's why it was kind of nice to go yeah. and try to capture that spirit. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, because it's Sunday, and Buenos Aires Sunday is a very sacred day, it was closed.
2: Mm.
1: <coughs> so we are here, you know, in another nice cafe, it's more Mother. On uh, Avenida Nueve de Julio, uh, which is a very uh, well-known uh, avenue
2: in, in Argentina. So you were telling me it's the widest <coughs> in the world. It is,
1: it is the widest avenue in the world. Do you know uh,
2: how many lanes it is? Uh, what, what
1: happened uh, in the last two years has been remodeled. Okay. Because they made, uh, before the buses, they used to know, uh, was not only streets. Ah,
2: okay. There was,
1: you know, the, the boulevard in the middle and the rest was streets. Okay. Now they, they change they put those
2: uh, bus lanes. I see. Uh, which is basically changed the shape of the avenue. Yeah. I can imagine it without the bus lane. Just yeah. wide, full of cars. That would be crazy.
1: Yeah, because uh, the boulevard is, so, is only on this section. After the other, the other side of the obelisk, okay. the there is no boulevard. Okay. It's only street. I see. So on that particular side, you can see how wide it is. Yeah. Uh, you can imagine to cross this avenue, yeah. you have... Basically three, let me see, you got one, two, three, three lights. Yeah. So three lights to cross just one street. Yeah. So <laughs> imagine how, how wide it is.
2: We really lucked out getting this spot on the corner, just looking right at it. Uh, this is perfect. Yeah. Although I apologize to the listeners for the music. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what else? Um, all right. So... Let's, I don't even know where to begin, you have so much travel experience, but let's just yeah. start with like your big story, you told me you're from Mendoza, well, yeah. but you lived in Houston, but now you're here in Buenos Aires, yeah. so tell us that story.
1: First. Exactly, exactly, basically I was uh, born and raised in uh, Mendoza, Argentina, until I was until I finished my high school, right before I was 17, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had, you know, the chance to go to learn English uh, in Houston. So I went to Houston. I was there for six months. I learned some English. And then I uh, came back to, to Argentina. Uh, suddenly, I got married very young. Yeah. So at that time, you know, the economical situation in the country was very bad. There was a hyperinflation, uh, political problems, about something very common in this country. Mm.
2: What,
1: uh, what time period is that? Like, that was 1988. Okay. 1988. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided to to go to move back to Houston uh, with my wife at that time. Uh, and also she was pregnant. So that was another thing that pushed me. Yeah. Uh, because I couldn't find a job, I didn't have a house, I didn't, I didn't have anything. That's
2: just a really bold move though like how did you I mean was your was your English really good were you confident uh, that you could
1: I was only you know my English was only six months at that time
2: and you were just in your early 20s yeah that's really confident like <laughs>
1: yeah well sometimes you don't, you don't have too many options uh, you just take the only way out you have
2: what kind of job were you
1: expecting to get uh, at that time, you know, I didn't have basically any experience, any any kind of job, any service type, working in a restaurant, or uh, anything was was better than, that, than uh, what I was doing uh, here. Yeah. Uh, you can imagine, at that time, I had one job, and I was making three times what did a teacher was making here. At that time it was sixty three dollars. Wow. The salary for a teacher and one point of teacher in this country was twenty three dollars a, a month. Are you serious? Yeah, no, that was nineteen
2: eighty eight through nineteen ninety. That just makes me wince. Like I, I can't understand that. How, how can it how can someone live on that? <laughs> uh I'm just curious, logistically, was it uh, difficult to immigrate to Houston? Like, were, what barriers were there legally, or uh, how did that work?
1: So you well, know, at that time, it was very easy. Because at that time, like, um, I arrived, you know, with a, uh, I had a student visa yeah. you know, at that time that I attached my wife. So that was easy. Then, you know, I found a job, I got a contract. And they give me my green card really, really fast. Yeah. Within two years, you know, I was uh, with all the papers uh, the correct way. Yeah, yeah. So, and after, I think it was five years, I got my citizenship. So, between those those years, you know, I got, my uh, my daughter was born, and then my son was uh, was born. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and uh, after that, you know, I just took the avenue of uh, working in the great state of Texas Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's the way you know things uh, work in uh, the states Just work, work and work you don't know why (laughs) or or for what you work but you just need to work that's (laughs) something you know that uh, that I learned even you know you have goals but the goals seems uh, blurry when you find, you know, that you don't need to work that much and earn the type of money you think you have to to earn to, to live, you know, a better quality of life, mm. because it's not it's not matter how much money you make; mm-hmm. it's matter, you know, how open is your mind mm-hmm. to find to find happiness.
2: Mm. Well, so what changed? Where? Was there a particular moment or an experience that opened your eyes?
1: Well, basically, I did everything, you know, by by the book. You know, I got married, I got children, I went to school, I finished college. Something that was very, very hard because uh, 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 I started studying, you know, late. I started studying like in the year 2000, 1999. So at that time, uh, uh, college was uh, was expensive, mm. today it's even more expensive,
2: mm.
1: but uh, it was very hard because I was working and uh, I was working and uh, studying at the same time, and then you know, I finished, uh, basically I finished a master by 2009 because they promised you know, a better position where I was working. Yeah. I was working in a very good company, uh, AT&T. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I was working in marketing by the, uh, they had like a Spanish division and they translate everything and they create their own marketing for yeah. the Spanish population. I was working in that area. And they offered me a better position. It was very, um, very stressful. Uh, type of job. You know, I was under a lot of pressure, heavy deadlines, you know, bosses very bad. But, you know, I was making good money. That was the whole point yeah. at, at that time.
0: Yeah.
1: Why? Because, you know, I have it a lot of expenses. I got a big house. I got three cars in my, my house, uh, uh, medical insurance, uh, pay for college. Uh, my daughter, you know, was also started getting into college at the time. So I needed the money, really yeah. bad. So when everything, you know, went to to the point that you seem, you know, that everything is perfect, it's like money-wise, family, uh, something happened in my family, you know, I got divorced. Different for reasons, you know, maybe, you know, that trying to, uh, that race, you know, also uh, induced me, you know, to... To, to, to the divorce, why? Mm-hmm. Right? Because you know uh, you don't spend enough time with the family. You don't uh, take care of uh, your wife, your kids. You only, you know, think of work and then pay bills. Uh, so that was the sad part. Even you know making a hundred thousand dollars a year, even more, but uh, it was sad. Why? Because when I was a point that I got divorced, and I, it was like a shock. I realized, you know, that I, everything, you know, that I did before, uh, it was not good enough, not to to keep my family together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, after that, um, I got because when I was uh, over the five years in the company, they gave me two weeks vacation.
2: Uh,
1: so I was right in be- almost in between my divorce. So I asked my boss if I can take you know, the two weeks together, because it was a policy that you couldn't take the two weeks all at once. Right. And I, am, I asked my boss, and he said, uh, yeah, it is possible, we've done that before. Uh, and I explained to him know I was going to Italy. So well, I bought my ticket for two weeks in Italy. Uh, and right two days before uh, I was leaving, he came and told me, uh, Daniel, you cannot take the two weeks. You have to come back one day and then take the rest of the week. Uh, and I said, well, uh, I already got my ticket, I got all my vacation plan, everything. I said, well, there's nothing that I can do. <laughs> uh, and I told him, go and talk to your boss and explain that I'm going to Italy to see part of my family that I already booked for two weeks. That's it. He came back he said, no. He said, no, you have to come back by policy because everybody else is going to start requesting the same.
2: Uh,
1: so, so I went to Italy. Uh, the day before, because I talked to him and I said... What about if I call that I'm sick? Say well, it might fly, but uh, we don't know at this yeah. point. So that's what I did. You know, I went to Italy. I called you know, the, the last day on Friday. I said, listen, I'm not going to go on Monday because uh, I feel bad. I feel sick, so I'm not going. He called me back and he said, my boss said, if you are not here by Monday, you better don't come back. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh Are you serious? Yeah. And what did you think at that moment? When, uh-huh. when, where were you? Were you in a in hotel? I in, was, in Sicily?
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah, I was in Sicily
2: Or were you staying with a family already? or like? No,
1: no, 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 I was in a
2: hotel Okay, so no, you're, At that time I was in a hotel You get that message What goes through your mind uh? at that moment? <laughs> uh,
1: really, you know the first week in Italy was so nice, so nice, that I feel so relaxed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, oh, my head exploded. Yeah. And the decision was, was not very hard to, to, to take. So I decided to stay. So basically, uh, I lose my job at AT&T. And I, I ended up staying three months in Italy. Because, you know, a, a whole new world opens to me. Oh,
2: wow.
0: At this point, Daniel and I return to his apartment where the sound would be better.
2: So, so picking up we left off, you had just made a very momentous decision.
1: Okay, the decision to... not to come back to at t The dream... The dream company the dream job for most people. <coughs> no, it was a good job, I mean, the benefits were incredible, you know, insurance, uh, salary-wise. We didn't have, you know, too much free time because we were working too many hours. Yeah. Basically working 7 to 7, uh, 5 days a week. So, but uh, the company structure, you know, is very it's a very stressful type of uh, type of company, you know, their structure, uh, corporation, is very dedicated, very, uh, they go straight to the point, they don't play games, and you know. if you're good, you're safe, if you're not that good, you, you're out. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's, that, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, of the... The situation, you know, I was very, very stressed out at that that time. Yeah. Uh, I took the decision basically uh, because I was feeling relief. Uh, You know, I got that sense of relief uh, when I took the decision not to come back. And it was a very tough decision because after that, I never found a job even near not even half, you know, what I was making at that particular time. That's that's the honest truth. Uh, So I had to decide, you know, to change one standard of living, one way of living for a different one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't regret that at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I told you at the beginning, you know, that makes me a different person. Uh, Staying in Italy, finding, you know, finding my roots, because my grandparents, uh, they, they were from... From Italy, and and basically I found myself uh, staying and living and uh, talking to the people that they were very similar to to my grandparents. Mm. Uh, I learned, you know, their values uh, that they passed to me. Uh, Basically, I shared those values with with those people, Uh, and I found, you know, even not speaking the, uh, the, the language, <coughs> even uh, living in a different country for all my life, uh, I found, you know, that I that I, that I belong to, to to Italy. That you know, that my roots, you know, they're still so strong. Mm. That uh, that I found myself being being at home. Uh, I never been so uh, comfortable and so uh, relaxed living. Uh, like uh, the time that I spent in, in, in Italy, especially in, in Sicily. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, my grandparents, they are from Napoli, which is a different city. Uh, Sicily is, uh, is a very, very nice part of Italy. Uh, the problem in uh, Italy, you know, unemployment is very high. Mm. It was very hard to survive. It was ba- basically, uh, I found a job in a, in a hotel making uh, 20 euros uh, 20 euros a month is like 25 dollars mm-hmm. uh, 25 dollars a day <coughs> and that was it so it was very tough to, to survive but I, I managed mm-hmm. why? because you know uh, things you know that, that you take uh, for granted in the US like in the, in the US you have uh, cell phone. Unlimited, everything is unlimited. Yeah, you pay whatever $50 a month, $60 a month. Uh, but if you don't have those $60 a month, you don't have a uh, cell phone. Mm-hmm. They cut it off. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I find you know in Italy, uh, even it's not unlimited, even you don't have all those perks and uh, big gigabytes of. Uh, 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 you can buy just uh, minutes, or you can buy a, like a car. Whenever I mean, you spend uh, whatever the time you gonna use it. You don't overspend, so there is a way, you know, to 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 manage the expenses in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to the U.S., uh, you go to a to a market, you got those big box of cereals, the big bags of bread. Uh, in Italy, you just go and pick one by one. If you just want, you know, one. Uh, if you want to buy just one tomato, just go and on buy one tomato. So basically, you make your food for the day. Mm-hmm. So you don't spend basically. I spending like uh, like two two euros and a half per day mm-hmm. just making my own and eating excellent. Yeah. Way better yeah. than what you can eat in the U.S. Spending twenty dollars, yeah. so it's not a, it's not a matter how much money you make. It's how how you handle uh, your your way of living. Uh, I didn't mean, have you know a big house. I was living in a room with uh, somebody else, mm-hmm. but uh, also I enjoy that. I enjoy the interaction with different people. Yeah, yeah. Something, like, especially in Texas, uh, that was. We were talking before, you know, that we, in the U.S., we always have to have our own space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you know, the places where I've I've been living in in, in Texas, we barely talk, you know, with our neighbors. Rarely, you know, maybe say hello, hi, that was it. Uh, In Italy, you know, everybody, you know, the building, we knew everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody was a friend. Mm -hmm. We used to have, you know... Uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner together. Go out <coughs> with the same people in the building, even with the people in the building next door. Mm-hmm. So it's a different, it's a different approach. The society is different. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't feel in uh, Italy. People don't feel threatened by other people. Yeah. like the way you know, we think we are threatened in the U.S. With the reality, we are not. Yeah, because I was telling you before, we are all the same. Yeah. <coughs> you asked me, you know, one, one question yesterday: if it was safe to to go some places or to walk some places. <coughs> Why? Because you know, in the news and the season. You know, sometimes you tells you that it's not safe, and that you need to you need to have that extra sense of uh, <coughs> safety. Or, uh, but in reality. Uh, but things you know happen everywhere mm-hmm. in any city in, in the world. Right. <clears throat> and I found that this city, you know, is it is a very safe city comparing with any other place. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the news, the media, society thinks the opposite. You know, think this is a very dangerous city,
2: yeah.
1: when in reality it's not. Yeah. Uh, you know, I walk my dog almost every night. At 12 at night, sometimes 2 in the
2: morning, uh, and uh, nothing happens. Yeah. I wish that I could ask you 100 questions and talk for 3 hours Uh, and get the whole story, but I have to ask the last question. Okay. Can you tell me a good travel story? You've already told an amazing one, but...
1: A good travel story? Well... All the travel they are good stories. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, traveling you know is uh, just just a war of traveling is uh, unless you have you know, a very bad experience, but most of the time it's still really nice. Uh, I would say you know what uh, makes uh, going to Italy, you know the time that I' spent in Sicily has mm-hmm. been the best the best of all my traveling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because of the reason, you know, that I found my roots, and that I found people thinking you know outside the box, thinking in a different way, uh, and they teach me a lot. So basically, you know, uh, if I consider I'm a better person now, that's uh, I think you know to to that type of society mm-hmm. that teach me you know how how to change.
2: Do you remember the particular moment when you felt at home, when you felt this is my place or you discovered your roots? Was there something you saw or a conversation or, do you know what I mean? Was it a particular thing? Uh, it was, you know, it was,
1: it was the time when uh, I started walking on the, the outside part of the city because, you know, in Italy you got the Historical center, you got the more modern area, and you got, you know, other areas, you know, where they're actually where the people lives. When I started walking through those area. I found that uh, the streets and the business they were similar than w- that when they were in my city in Mendoza mm-hmm. when I was a child.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I remember, you know, the the shoemaker place. You know, I remember the the little convenience store, the, the, the baker, the butcher, and everything, you know, it was like a flash. It was like going back 40 years back in time. And that's what, you know, I, I opens my mind and say, wow, it's been 40 years, you know, and, and there is a place in the world where everything remains the same. I mean, time, I mean, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Even you know, even technology, even you know, the, the, all the advance in society, there are places you know that they remain the same. So that's that's, that's really an amazing uh, moment uh, that I spent in Italy.
2: Well, thank you for sharing. Also,
1: I travel with Sparky. Sparky is my my Sheltie. He's almost 14 years old. I love him and he loves me.
2: (laughs) It's very clear. (laughs) He's my traveling companion too. He's just leaning against your knee. He looks like he's in heaven right now.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much to Daniel for sharing his amazing story and for taking such a leap of faith. Don't forget about our live show coming up in just two weeks at Chicago's Hull House Dining Hall on October 1st. If you know anyone in Chicago, if you can get to Chicago, please come. You're welcome. They're welcome. And don't forget Wendell Berry's advice to be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction.